0: I want to introduce our speaker with a short reading. This morning we continue our series entitled Every Story His Name. The Bible is ultimately a story. It's a story in which we find many different episodes, each one finding their fullest meaning in light of the whole. Each one a part of the great story of Jesus, what he has done and what he continues to do. Today we look at the story of Jesus in the episode from the life of a woman named Gomer. The story can be found in Hosea chapters 1 through 3. And to tell the story of Gomer, Ben will be telling it through the lens of her husband, Hosea. My name is Hosea. I am one of the 19 prophets of God to the nation of Israel. My ministry was in the northern kingdom, and I am the final prophet from there. I served for over 30 years under the reign of six different kings. I was a prophet alongside of Amos, Amos was a prophet who came before me. His time, in, in your language, is 760 to 755, five years. And I joined him in his last year, 756, and spent time with him there. My name is Hosea, meaning salvation. Uh, and it was long thought in my village that I had the potential to become a prophet, could be because of my long hours of study, could also be because of my long hours of talking. My brother would say, Hosea, salvation, we will experience real salvation if Hosea ever learns to shut up. I liked my other brother better. I'm here to give you some details of my life, more to tell you of Gomer than myself. I will tell you that some of the details are raw. Um, They're a little more intense than what has happened in other prophets' lives before me. I want to respect anyone's decision to um, perhaps avoid hearing those things at the same time believe that my story was given uh, with intention from God and should be told as such. I was called to be a prophet with this name Hosea, and to bring salvation to my people was simply the greatest honor of my life. But as many prophets and many minister stories my ministry did not take the shape that I had imagined. After the final year of Amos' ministry, he gave me the full mantle, the, the, the sole responsibility to be God's voice to the people of the northern kingdom I remember taking this mantle on and receiving it from the great prophet Amos. And and very soon after, I went up to the very place where God would speak to us, this place on the mountain that became so precious to me. And I went there in this time alone, and God did speak, and I had heard him speak before. But this time, this time, the first time alone, and God spoke to me in a way that he hadn't spoken to us before. He said, Hosea, Hosea, I have come to tell you my plan. This time when he would speak, it would be more than just saying what words that I was supposed to repeat. This time he was revealing an intention, a plan to be given He said, Hosea, I have a plan. And my plan is to make your life a living story of my complete salvation. My plan is to make your life a testimony for all time of what I am like and what I believe towards my own people. And as I am hearing this on the mountain, I am feeling lighter and lighter and greater and greater. I don't know how much you know about prophets, but there's some prophets that had some really tough job descriptions. Jeremiah had some really tough words that he had to share with the nation, and often prophets were seen as those who bore bad news. This responsibility of having a life to be lived in front of the people that was a demonstration of love and hope Sounded like a very good start to my prophetic ministry. God said, in order to do this, I am giving you a person that will complete the image of love. Here is my plan, God said. He said, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Not words easily forgotten. Uh, I know that many different prophets, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Jonah, there are strange things that happen after becoming a prophet. God asks for strange things. I was ready for strange, but I was not ready for this. Who knew that God even knew the word prostitute? This is weird. Only three prophets that we know of before even were allowed to be married, but none, none with a story or a calling to be married like this. God was quiet as I did some of my initial thinking, and again, he spoke. He said, Hosea, here is my plan. I want you to marry a prostitute. And I thought, did you think I forgot do you think that one just washed right on by? But the, but the words this time, they, they did carry more weight and all of a sudden it wasn't a mental exercise. I was actually starting to think through the, the mechanics of what this command would be like to live out, what it, would be, what it would mean for my legacy, my finances, my reputation, what it would be like to, to be with someone who, who did those things. I actually pictured this person, whoever it was, in my mind. And even in my mind, I couldn't look upon her. I was repulsed. And in my imagination, I just couldn't handle it. God remained quiet. I did not. I eventually looked to heaven and said, Is that it? That's it. Right there. In just a few words, I have the rest of my life planned before me. God, I have given everything. I have watched my nation go away. I have watched king after king after king make decisions apart from you. And yet, I have been there. I have remained. I have studied. I have learned. I have prepared for this moment. How could you ruin me with a pathetic, STD-ridden hooker? God remained silent. Amos taught me you need to honor the silence of God, but I didn't. I then appealed to to his logic. I said, Lord, you you see this, right? Like a living example of God does not go to those places. A living example of God does not do the things you're you're talking about. I've never touched a woman. These hands, this heart, I've I've kept them pure for you. How would you plummet this, this one of your only good testimonies into the brothel of sin? You're commanding me to turn this office into a scandal. My sermons will forever be accused as those of hypocrisy. My whole life is a joke. Silence. And then heaven opened and he spoke once more. He said, Her name is Gomer. I knew I had received my first assignment and it was not going to change. This was to be my legacy as a prophet of God. I was the prophet who was personally and publicly humiliated to be wed to a prostitute named Gomer. And so we married. There was what you would predict there to be and awkwardness when a prophet marries a prostitute. There was a disconnection. There was cultural differences. There was spiritual differences. There was just life differences. This connection was was so extreme. There was anger and pride and frustration and back and forth and misunderstanding and definitely a whole lot of questions we both didn't want to answer. But after time like a new normal set in. I don't know if you've experienced this, but things that seem impossible, after time, they can almost become normal. And that that did happen in time. God commanded, we, we found our way to intimacy. We even started a family. Through this time, we became friends. I found out that she wasn't just some random pervert, but she was a person I pray to God that she never knows what I saw her as before. It seems that the more we get to know each other, uh, we initially see each other as categories, but we find out much more when we learn each other's story. She shared with me the details of her life I learned how she was treated throughout just about every season of her life, including what she received at home. She said what happened to her was ultimately simple. She was treated as a body without a soul, and eventually she began to believe it. She learned to take that which had been abused and turned it into a commodity. I learned to see pain... In her eyes, I think we both softened through those initial years and through those three children we had. It may sound silly, but I wasn't falling in love with my wife. We were both changing. I realized that the, the compassion was much more a part of my vocabulary, and patience was, was just something I understood a little bit more, and on our seventh anniversary, I took her out, and I said that which I had prepared to say, and I said and I meant these words. I said, Gomer, you are making me more aware of God's heart than anyone from the temple ever has She, throughout our marriage, told me what it was like to be a prophet's wife. There was a wonder to it, a, a childlike fantasy to it. Uh, just, she, knew, she knew the kings. She knew our political leaders. She knew our religious leaders. It was a whole new world for us. And she tried. She tried. She tried. She tried to be the prophet's wife. But, but, but her time in our community, it did not age well for her and what felt like a giant divide eventually began to even feel more giant even in the best of times and after the best of moments she would say, Hosea, your God people simply do not feel like my people. There were many late night conversations she felt looked down on as as a spouse, as a mom, as a person. She felt like she couldn't get comfortable in a world of, of positive references to grandparents and holidays and festivals or, or even references to happy memories. After one silly argument with the neighbor, and we have this neighbor, you wouldn't believe her, and she blamed my wife for something that she didn't do, and I remember Gomer saying something as she walked into the house that spoke to what I believe was deep in her heart. She said, once a whore, always seen a whore. I remember the first time she went out and did not come home. I honestly was probably more prepared for it than I should have been. I kind of had a mental script that I knew I would go through if she ever did this. I I actually wrote down on parchment, your duty is to forgive I was remembering that, that, okay, relapse can be a part of of, of the recovery story. And I I tried to talk myself into saying, be like God, be like God, be like God. She she was ashamed. She, She begged me. She wept over and over. She said, forgive me, Hosea. You've done so much for me. Forgive me what I have given back to you. I told her I did. I even thought I did. But even... Each of those conversations, somehow, by the end, I was asking, but Gomer, why? Why? I had become comfortable in this being a part of her past story, but now that she had me, had real love and protection, had an appointed man, a prophet, to care for her needs, provide a better life, why? I mean, the money that she got. For this thing was less than we had to pay for the sacrifice for its forgiveness we lost money on it and lost a lot more to uh, what happened was really kind of the the next big step was she went out one night and uh, this is about a couple weeks later I hear the door close I shoot up in bed I am ready. I know what must be about to happen. And for some reason, to my shame, there's there's an excitement of the justice of this moment. I have had this adrenaline of holy prophetic fire in my bones I vowed I would not hurt the man. I vowed I would not hurt Gomer. I am a prophet, not a warrior. But I was ready to release a prophetic condemnation like was never heard before. I had the words already worked up from the last few days thinking if this happened again. I made my words sharper. The expression of my own pain so violent, so big that it could shatter both Gomer and her false lover, to a shame-filled emptiness that somehow made me smile when I thought of it. I wanted to discover them before anything happened so that they would feel the full shame of what they intended, but I would not have to go through the trauma of seeing it. All of this was ready for me very quickly I went out of the house ready to go find Gomer and then I saw her coming back from the well she had simply gone to fill up a jug of water that I had forgotten to fill so that we'd be ready for the next day and she saw me and she knew we both saw each other, probably in a more real way than maybe before. We saw the despair that happens when you really don't trust the person you really want to trust. This time that look was in both of our eyes. We lay together that night. The prophet had run out of words. We lay together But we're worlds apart. A month later, she left again, this time not to the well. We went through the repentance, the forgiveness, the accountability, the never-agains. I I have somehow summoned up the prophetic courage to start teaching my, my family what it's like to be a prophet's family. I told them what it was like to be called to be a prophet, and I slipped in as much as I could. This is what it's like to be a prophet's wife. But the cycle continued... And every few months, it seemed like we went through the same thing. And one day simply, she went and did not come home, not in the morning, not in that week, and not for the months that would follow. And I, I can't even remember, as I look back on that time, I don't remember the sermons that I had to give. I don't remember the excuses that I had to make to my own children. I don't remember what would happen when people would really come to me and, how are you doing? God, the answer, I just pushed away. There was this prophet who was so full of articulation of what he would think and do was so hollow. And what I could tell myself, the script, the only script I could read was, was saying, our 10th anniversary is coming. Our 10th anniversary is coming, and I think Gomer will return. And I'll figure out what to do there. And 10th anniversary, she knows it means a lot to me. And everything, I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't accept until the day after my 10th anniversary. And that's when I returned to the mountain This time I did not go to hear from God. I went because I had something to say. I went to the mountains. By the time I was reaching the top, I had fully organized in my mind what I was going to say to God. I was resolute in its logic, I was careful in its order and completely sincere in my closing request i approached i went to the spot that had meant so much so much to me in my relationship with god and i stood there and i said god number 1 i have no doubt who is in charge i've read all the prophet isaiah and all the prophets and patriarchs before me i understand you are god and i am not i am not here to have an authority fight. Number two, I know I can't understand your ways. I've read all of the patriarch, Job. I understand that that you're doing things I cannot see, and you've got a plan that I do not know. But I'm totally confounded by the cryptic, mysterious, juju, I'll be better later, sage stuff. I don't understand and I accept that. Number three, I know I can't get you to speak. I cannot rush your revelation. How often I have taught others the beauty of your timing, but right now, I hate it. Which brings me to number four. And I stared with a renewed intensity. Into heaven, I said these words, Let me die. You have taken my reputation. You have allowed my family to be wrecked. You have taken my ministry, my influence. I am at the end of feeling. I am at the end of trying, and I am at the end of hoping. God, hear me as you have not heard me these years. Let me die. And heaven again was silent. Let me die. I said it to the east, to the south, to the north. I know it didn't matter, but I said it. I yelled it. I whispered it. I, I said it as this like weird mantra over and over and over. Just, and I started thinking to myself, well, I, can't, I, I can't leave this mountain. I cannot go down. I cannot, I cannot do this. And just over and over, I bet, God, you've destroyed. You've categorically destroyed everything. Just take your servant now Eventually I tired. And that's when I heard my name. Gently, firmly. Hosea. Hosea. When God speaks through so much of your agenda just kind of leaves. So many of my four points that I had so well articulated. To God, we're all of a sudden distant. I tell you, it's just so great to hear God speak your name. The presence so certain, so safe. I somehow, I, just by my name, I got filled with the hope I thought I never would have again. It didn't exclude my confusion but somehow became more powerful than it. God said, Hosea, your wife is not coming home. Go and find her. Search for Gomer and bring her back home, and in your finding of Gomer, you will understand all else. You see, Hosea, you learned what love really was for Gomer in your home, but it could not handle the reality of the street, I want to show you and show many more than you a much more complete picture then you have learned yet and i don't know how it came on me i don't know what peace of god filled me i don't understand the science or mechanics but this heart that was filled with so much bitterness and fear and rage experienced a freedom where none of my circumstances had had changed, but somehow he had switched something in me. And I was consumed not what was my prophetic duty. I was consumed not on what God owes me. Simply, I was consumed. I must find Gomer. And I searched, I mean for months I searched, I traveled to the southern kingdom. I, I went, I snuck in under disguise to the land of Assyria. I was, I was befriending people that I didn't even know were people. I bet I had three or four different interventions from friends or family that went basically like this. Hosea, Hosea, you have done your duty. Let it go. Let her go. This is getting weird. And I continued to search. I was spotted in places that I am convinced that no prophet has been spotted before. I was called the brothel prophet. And at best, people thought that guy just snapped. And at worst, I, I don't even know, but worse. Then the came, day came as I my search that actually the sex slave had come, industry had come again, to my hometown, and someone had seen Gomer on the block. I prepared to meet Gomer. I prayed up, I dressed up, I got my purpose all filled up, and I went to confront my faithless wife. Funny part of the story is I, the great prophet, led you don't even know how many dozens of people that had never been to that part of town into that part of town. As I left my house, the word had spread. People didn't say anything, because what do you say? But they had come to see what happens when the great prophets of God experience the faithlessness of a gomer, And so they they walked with me and I walked with purpose. They were seeing a confidence in me they had not seen in years. I walked with purpose. I put on the robes that I had not worn in a long time. And I remember as I rounded the corner, I saw a whole lot more people there waiting who didn't want to admit that they even knew what was going on. But as I rounded, I saw them on the block. And I'll tell you, I, I, I had trouble even recognizing her She was stripped and and bruised, and and the lifestyle had taken much out of her. But the reason I couldn't quite tell at first is because Gomer was was experiencing something I'd never seen before. I've seen Gomer in a lot of seasons of life, but I've never seen her afraid. This woman was not just broken, she was terrified. I found out later that she begged and begged, please don't take me to that town. Please don't let me be seen like this to my kids' friends. Please, I've shamed Hosea enough. You cannot take me to our hometown. When I saw her and I knew it was her, I lost whatever prophetic whatever that I had, whatever composure. I didn't in that moment ask, what is a prophet of God supposed to do? I didn't even in that moment, I wasn't hearing even God's voice of saying, Hosea, do this, or be obedient here. Because right now, and maybe this for the first time, I looked up and I saw this battered woman and I no longer saw my shame. I no longer saw my assignment. I saw my wife. This wasn't my duty, this was my beloved. This was not a prostitute, not a slave not an example for the moral temple people to say, don't live your life in a certain way or you might end up like this. She was simply Gomer, my Gomer. I ran up to the block. I don't know the rules. I promise of all what happens there. But I was ripping off my special robe and I was covering her shame. I took my, my royal, sanctified, called-apart arms and wrapped them around her. And I looked at her pimp, and this is what I said. I said, she is not yours to sell. This is my wife. And he looked back at me and said, wrong. Wrong. Sit down, Hosea. I was forced away from her again. The chains remained on Gomer, and the bidding began. I listened to men jeer and yell and compare and pay a price for my wife. There's been a lot of discussion of of why I ended up paying what I paid. I I ended up being the highest bidder at the end of the charade, of course. I paid 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And it's like, well, why the shekel? Like, what kind of currency exchange did they have there? Let me tell you what happened. The bidding started, and I lost it. And I simply said, I will give you all that I have. I would pay all that I have for that which is already of mine. And Gomer, in the midst of this, is falling apart. She is weeping. She is yelling at me, stop this, stop this. She's looking at the auctioneer and saying, stop it. I know he doesn't have much left. You are ruining him. Stop it. This is all he has. And in that moment, I got it. And I spoke words that I never believed as much as I believed them. I looked into the eyes of my wife and I said, when she said, all of this, stop it, it will ruin him. It's all she had. I told her, Gomer, I'd rather be ruined than to spend one more day without you at home I am not doing this as a prophet. I am not doing this for your perfect response. I am not doing this to establish some moral superiority. I am doing this because simply this is all I can do. Loving you for results, loving you for your performance, loving you so we can have some type of image in the community. I can't even see that anymore because I've fallen in love with you such. I will pay any price to bring you home. Gomer came home and she never left again. We discovered and told Israel about God's faithful love, not in a forced way, not not in a way that that some people just thought we were crazy. We're okay with that too. I would eventually surrender her to death two decades later after the sweetest decades of my life. The, The type of living had its deep toll on her. I go to her grave often, it's, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I, I call it another temple for me where I go to be with God and Gomer. Sometimes I'm there and sometimes people come and say, hey, tell me the story. And I just feel like saying, dude, bug off. One time, I, recently, last week, a guy comes by and I turn so he can't see who I am, but he sees the tombstone and he says, oh, Gomer, I got a niece named Gomer. I had never met anyone else named Gomer. He said, hey, you know what that means? And I thought, I have no idea what that means. I am full to the hilt of understanding what Hosea means. That word's been prayed over me. That word's been given to me. That word's been prophesied over me. It means salvation. I, I didn't know what Gomer meant. He said simply, yeah, Gomer means to complete And that's when I realized I was not just to represent salvation for Gomer. Gomer was sent to complete a living picture for me. I only learned the full picture of love when my image obsession, my justice obsession, my self-pity... Only when all the other false sources of identity and power were abandoned, only in the arms of this woman, I learned what complete love actually is. A love I could only learn from Gomer. You see, prisoners, they teach best about freedom. The immigrant has the most profound things to say about what is home and what is not It is those who know that the deep throes of anxiety that have learned the language of peace and this unfaithful woman, my Homer, is what taught me the faithful love of God. God came and just said, hey, Jose, you close those teary eyes. Come with me. I closed my eyes. I don't know if I was in the body, out of the body. I don't know if I was asleep or awake. There's something that happens when you're with God. And other realities kind of just fade. But all I know is whether I was there or somewhere else, I went with God to talk. And he said, "Reminding me, this is a living picture, that this was what my story was all about. And that he didn't just come to save the Gomers, but the Hoseas too. And he said, all of this was a story to to get ready for the real story to come. A story that my story would just become a part of. He came to tell me, he said, Hosea, I am going and I'm going to be like you. I'm going to the brothels. I'm going to not just love in the happy family, but I'm taking love to the street. I'm taking a love that will not stop, will not quit until my people are brought home. I'm coming with a love that goes way beyond the bounds of duty. A love that will not be earned and cannot be simply gritted out. And Gomer, just as you sullied your prophetic robe to cover the shame of your wife, I will delight in covering the shame of my people with my robes of righteousness, my inheritance, my identity, my placement before the Father, that they may be known not by their sin, but by being wrapped in my wholeness, He told me what it would be like for him to buy back his people. That it would also cost him all that he had. That it would cost a canonic emptying of himself, his very placement in the universe to walk in on those streets of shame, to walk in those places people said God would never visit. And the payment would be everything he had, including his very bones and blood and he said I also want to tell you what I'm going to tell Paul later don't tell anybody he told me he said but you know in Gomer it'll mean a lot to you he says this is what Paul is going to write later in Colossians when he writes it to the church writes it to my people Paul writes, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Paul says, Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness or completeness of the deity lives in bodily form, he writes, And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness, also translated completeness. I'm gonna get out of here simply from my story. Here is what I would encourage you don't wait to release incomplete loves, it is needless emptiness. If Gomer were here, she would say, let go of sin, let go of those pet idols, it never pays what it promises. I, Hosea, would tell you, let go of your need of life to function as you think you should. it should. You really don't know the whole story of what God is doing, so quit assuming you can master it. Let go of all those versions and trappings of self, the self-moralism, self-effort, self-obsession, self-rejection. The sooner you realize you're you're, you're drinking at an incomplete fountain, the more complete is offered. Secondly, learn to see and not hate the withholding hand of God. Perhaps God is not letting you have the perfect life, the perfect spouse, the perfect children, the perfect grades, the perfect reputation because there is a deeper love at work, a love that does not rely on incomplete things. And lastly and finally, this is the word I would give you. Enjoy. Enjoy your years With Christ, as I was able to do with Gomer. Complete love is only found in the completer. It is deeper and wider and higher than any false, incomplete loves that we find ourselves fighting for. It is a resource far more extensive than the small things and trappings that we are competing with each other for. Enjoy his love. He is your purchaser. He is your identity giver. He is your robe-wrapping, full-sacrificing, complete lover of your soul. Thank you for giving me a chance to share Gomer's story and how God taught me complete love. You are dismissed.